sisters, listen closely. Finding out he's the one can sometimes feel like traveling through a desert of uncertainty. I mean, every time you feel like you've reached an oasis, it ends up being a mirage. As your resident sister and friend, here are five common red flags that you need to steer clear away from. First up, if he's asking for your phone number straight off the bat, but not your dad's, well, that's a major red flag waving in your face. Next, if he's hitting you up with texts and calls late at night, you better believe he's not serious and chances are he won't respect your boundaries. Watch out for those put down disguised as sarcastic banters. You know, the ones that make you the butt of the joke. It's time to show him the door. And oh, if he's more interested in hearing himself talk than listening to what you have to say, girl, that's a sign you need to run in the opposite direction. And let's not forget the classic line, my ex was crazy. Yeah, right. If he's mouth-mouthing his ex left and right, chances are he's the one with the issues. And those are just the obvious red flags. Let's help you uncover what's really hiding underneath the surface with Vibe Check, the ultimate prompt card game for meaningful connections. Crafted with deep respect for Islamic traditions, Vitech goes beyond the surface, allowing you to discover the essence of your potential life partner's faith, character, and aspirations. With eight thoughtfully crafted categories and 135 thought-provoking questions, Vitech ensures a comprehensive understanding of your potential spouse, from values and ambitions to personal quirks and preferences. I mean, skip the surface-level discussions and dive straight into what truly matters. Visit our website, www.thedigitalstory.com now and take the first step towards finding your righteous partner. Your journey to marital bliss begins here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, friends. It is your sister and friend, Adar. And you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. So I'm going to tell you a story. And this story is about a girl named Rita. Rita was born in a city in Pakistan called Islamabad, a city popularly known as the City of Islam, a city of peace. A city with a spread of natural terraces and summer green meadows. She had the best kind of childhood with lots of love and laughter, grandparents, aunts and uncles. She was also the eldest of three at the time, although she might not have all of the toys and the candies that could could ever ask of or dream of. She still had the best thing life could offer, love. We lived at our uh, at my grandfather's house, like my maternal grandfather's house, and um, I remember we had rabbits in our house, and I was really little. My mom told me I was like three, and I was like, ooh, so I I do remember stuff from my childhood. <laughs> so when my dad was there, he got us like pet rabbits, and uh, when he had to go, uh, like when he had to go back, like uh, to Canada, he we had to like give our rabbits away. Growing up, I all I always knew that Pakistan was not home. Like my my dad was never there because he was either in the U.S. or he was in Canada. So I knew that we one day will have to join him, right? So wherever we were living, either at my grandfather's house, uh, like my mom's side or my dad's side, I knew that it wasn't really um, my house, right? Like I, I at one time, at, uh, we will be connected, we will like reconnect with my father. And if it will be in the U.S. or Canada, we don't know yet. But 
we're going to come there, right? So uh, this this thing in my head was always there that Pakistan is not home. Where Whichever country we, he chooses, we're going to live there. So when we came here, Montreal, it wasn't like, um, I was like, oh, so this is where I'm going to call home. Mm-hmm. This, is where, this is where we're going to live for the rest of our lives. And the friends I used to make, I knew that someday I'll have to leave them. So I wasn't very sad or anything because they ask you that, you know, when you come um when you go to like welcome classes here to learn French and everything, mm-hmm. they ask you, were you crying and everything? I was like, no, I knew. <laughs> I was ready to go. I was ready to pack it. I was very happy to see my father. <laughs> I was like, we're going to finally be like a family. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, tell me about what that reunion was like when you, re- you know, we're finally, you know, together as a family. Alhamdulillah. It was, it was great. I was like, wow, we came here in April. So it was, uh, it was a great vibe. Summer came really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, some people, they came here in winter and they're like, it was minus 30. Yeah. And they're from like a, a super hot country. And I was like, oops. <laughs> uh, we, we, we had a good experience. You know, it was really great. Uh, we started right away going to school, uh, learning French. That was great. We were already mentally prepared that you'll have to learn a new language language um i think at that time what was weird was a lot of immigrants kids that were coming they were from pakistan or india so i never really felt like out of place they were all they would speak you know like our language and everything because when i like share my experience with others they're like oh yeah when i had to like learn a language it was it was really hard for me because nobody would understand me and alhamdulillah i I always think back i was like all my friends they were either pakistani or they were indian and we would speak you know english and urdu mix and learning french was something you know like secondary i would say so and alhamdulillah for that experience was great what did you think living in canada was going to be like like did you have any fantasies about what it was going to be like (laughs) there was this book i used to read okay it was called choosy susie (laughs) it was about this girl who lived in new york and um she was very picky about her shoes and i was this book i remember all the images of like the buildings and the colors and I was like, this is what Canada is going to be like. It's going to be amazing. And when I came here, it was very gray, very bland. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I was like, okay. I had this image that it was going to be, um, I don't know, like diverse, so many colors, so many ki- different kind of people. And yes, it was true. But, um, you know, like the buildings weren't pink and red and green, like in my book. Mm-hmm. They were brown. They were, so. they were brown, very similar. <laughs> You yeah, know. the snow was all slushy and brown. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, reality, you had the biggest reality check. Yeah. Who was the first friend you made in Canada? She was my. Uh, she was the first friend I made. Um, she used to live just across our house we, uh, when we came here. And I didn't know, like, she... Uh, actually, no, when we came, we used to live on the same street. From So we came in April, right? And they'll send you to school right away. So we just had April, May, June uh, in our welcome class, right? And it was, uh, I, I didn't really had friends back then. It was just three months of school. It was me, my sister, and my brother. We were in the same class. So <laughs> really, there wasn't really much to do except coloring. We didn't really learn anything in that class. The teacher was like, you know, it's a three months contract. What was she going to do? Mm-hmm. What was she going to teach us? And it was a very diverse class. There was like a 16-year-old boy, I remember. I was like, my goodness. And really little kids. I was like, what is this class? Is this what Canada is all about? <laughs> they knew. So when uh, school started back again, we moved um, in an, an apartment. And the girl in front, I used to look at her. I was like, oh, I wonder, like, what does she do and how is she and then when I went to my class she was there I was like oh and she introduced herself she was like my name is Habiba (laughs) and then uh, we became the bestest of friends she was really sweet 
oh, she was such a cute, amazing person. I, okay, it's embarrassing to admit it, but <laughs> I was, how old was I? I was 10 years old, mm-hmm. didn't know how to tie my shoe. She was the one who told, like, she used to tie my shoes oh. for me because they would open all the time. Oh. And then I, one day she just really got tired. She's like, you know what? Sit down. I'm going to teach you how it's done. <laughs> my mom used that complicated, you know, when you do like the the extreme version of like te- teaching how to tie your shoes, but you have to like turn around the tree or something. I was like, this is complicated. And she's like, listen, make it like the be- two years of a bunny. <laughs> <laughs> and just make it in a bow and I was like wow yeah she taught me a lot she was very confident and um, she used to protect me a lot from other people yeah. <laughs> I was like great <laughs> so what exactly is for all my listeners that don't know what a welcome class is what exactly is a welcome oh. class so a welcome class I don't know if this is how you say it in English because I'm doing a tra- direct translation from French in French it's class d'accueil so when you came here to uh, Quebec what happens is if you you don't know how to speak French, right? Mm-hmm. If you do know how to speak French, they'll just like integrate you right away. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, they'll place you in a welcome class. So depending on your age or your level, it depends, right? Mm-hmm. Because so either you can find yourself in a class where everybody is a different level of French. Like some someone knows how to read and write. Someone don't even know how to say hello, like bonjour. They don't even know how to say that. Mm. Or you can be... Uh, and But they're all the same age. So we, you guys are all like, uh, let's say, 10 years old, 11 years old, right? Or what can happen depending on where you live. Um, let's say you live a little... Montreal is great, super diverse. So this is how it functions. It's, it's better this way, I think so. And otherwise, what happens is you're in a class where people are the same level as you but not the same age as you. Mm. so you might all know how to speak a certain way or you might know and then um but maybe there's a seven-year-old and a 13-year-old mm-hmm. get it mm-hmm. like that's kind of like difficult to deal for the teacher <laughs> that's actually what i was studying mm. to become like a french teacher <laughs> so you so you always wanted to be so what inspired you like what was it about being a teacher a french teacher that resonated with you so much that you wanted to be one when you grew up? I always wanted to be a teacher. I remember like in Pakistan, uh, coming back from school, I used to like take my sister's glasses in the bus. And I was like, okay, everybody, get your homeworks out. I'm going to look at them. And I was a bad student, by the way. I was this close to feeling third grade. My teacher was like, if this girl is not going back to Canada, I would have failed her. That's how bad of a student. The audacity I have to check other people's homework. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, God, I don't know. I just my mom, I think, told me I'd be a good teacher. So I would be like, oh, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'll become a teacher. But I just I loved helping others. I just love, you know, like you see that in kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you were like that when you were if the teacher would be like, who wants to clean? Now we don't have blackboards every now. Like we have, a you know, like TNE, like they're all uh, digital. Mm-hmm. I feel old saying that. My God. Yeah, I know. But I know. <laughs> we used to not have our, like not those blackboard chalks. <laughs> <laughs> and I teach like, who wants want to clean it? And be like, me, me, Aww. pick me. Or, uh, you know, when they, they drink coffee, they're like, who would want to wash my uh, dishes? I'd be like, me, please. <laughs> So I just loved it. Oh my god! I just loved school. I, I I didn't like learning as much as much as I just loved school. And um, so I just always wanted to be a teacher. I was like, this is for me. Why I chose French second language? I actually didn't know that you could become a French uh, uh, like you could do a bachelor's in a, sec- a French second language. I thought I'd be an English teacher or maybe a history teacher because that's what I liked. And I always wanted to teach high schoolers too. So mm. I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. But when I went for like orientation, they had French second language. I was like, what is that? And they were like, oh, it's for you know like class d'accueil or uh, immersion, so half English, half French schools. You know that? Mm-hmm. You guys have that. Yeah, over there, in Canada right? we have like English and French, so you can you can do. Yeah. You, well, I mean, you always have to learn. French at a certain level and then mm. French immersion was you took the whole curriculum in French 
Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's what it is. And it just clicked. I was like, oh, my God, that's great. I can become a French teacher because uh, it's going to be experience for kids, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. going to look at me and I'll tell them, look, uh, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm brown. So I was like, look, they're going to look at me. Uh, they, they're going to be like, oh, if she was at my place, like, they, she didn't know how to speak French or like even, like, one single word. Um, and now she's teaching us French. And even for the parents, I was like, it's going to be great. The parents are going to look at me and they'll be like, look at that. She made it. My kid absolutely. will make it too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if, I like, I can, I, if I can do it, you can yeah. do it. And I came yeah. all the way and I, from my country and learned a foreign language from scratch. Yeah. And I when I started, like, the reason also, like, I really wanted to be a teacher is because I always had a hard time, like, in school like in terms mm-hmm. of like, academically I wasn't very strong mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always like I was when I started like teaching a little bit I used to spot the kid like me you know mm-hmm. like I was like look at that that kid is struggling mm-hmm. and I it's just I love school I just didn't like the way they like they taught us like I don't like the way they would be like okay learn this by heart I had zero motivation to learn anything mm-hmm. <laughs> by heart or something like that I just I, I so when when I started making my activities I saw a lot it was I, um, it didn't, a lot of my things that I make with children like the activities that we did or the worksheets I do it revolves around like play because that's what I used to like as a child mm-hmm. so that's what I do with kids who are struggling in the class because I'm like I know no one wants to learn you know, verb aimer au passé composé. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I had a teacher in grade five until today. I can never forget her name, Miss Lee. I remember how she would stand at the door welcoming each and every one of us. She'd even sometimes just come by our desk to ask us how our morning was. You never felt like you were an afterthought with Miss Lee. One of my most fondest memories I have of her is when she made us watch this movie called Remember the Titans. Um, it was it was a movie done I think in 2000. The cover of the film has Denzel Washington on it. Um, it was like a really popular movie at the time, um, and it really talked about. Uh, it was based on actually a true story of a coach in Virginia, who wanted to integrate a high school football team in 19 in 1971. And at the time, you know, there was this this uh, racial um, racial segregation that was going on between the blacks and the whites. And the cool part of the film was it never really shied away from exploring the racist history of American education and athletics. Now that I think about it, Miss Lee was kind of woke. <laughs> but the funny part wasn't watching the film. There was this chant in the film where the football players would would chant, but just before a game, and it went something like everywhere we go every, and then you would respond everywhere we go people want to know and then you would say people want to know who we are and then we would say who we are so we tell them and in the film it says we are the uh, titans but in cha- instead we changed it to because she made us take the chant um we would say we are the champions the mighty mighty champions and she literally make us recite that chant more than the national anthem. I think we we would have to, <laughs> after the national anthem, we'd sit down. If we were a little too quiet, she'd be like, okay, guys, I want to hear from my all-stars. What's our chant? Everywhere we go. And then we recite after her. And it was kind of, now that I think about it, it's kind of really dope because in the chant, you hear, like, it's about, like, if somebody asks you who you are, you know, tell them who you are. Tell them you are the mighty, mighty champions. And I guess, I, I guess I'm now that I'm thinking back, like reflecting back, I think Miss Lee was trying to instill confidence and unity in my grade fourth class, um, which is kind of really beautiful. And I never forgot Miss Lee. 
Like I could never forget her. Um, I guess multiple reasons. I feel like for the first time ever, I felt like a teacher really saw me. And I feel like I feel like she made everyone feel that way. Rita Khan also had a memorable teacher that made her feel just like that. Um, I had this fifth grade teacher, Etel. She was she was great. She actually actually she also came to Canada. She's from Cuba, and she came when she was I think like twelve or I don't remember what age she was. So she recognized that a lot of her kids in the class we all like you know we were all in welcome classes, and then they uh, one year later they were like they're ready, so just put them in fifth grade. So they all shoved us in a class <laughs> with like regular children, and then kids who just learned French and they might not be at the same level like in. You know, you've been learning history since grade one. And then kids, they come from all over the place in your class. They don't know anything about Canada Mm -hmm, or Quebec. mm -hmm. And they're like, "Uh," they're lost. And she was an amazing teacher. The the experiences we had with her, like she she did so much for us. Like she really didn't have to do it because I think none of our teachers put that much effort in a class ever. She she did um, a a pen pal thingy. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even knew that existed with another like city in Quebec. Mm -hmm. So we met like proper Quebecois people. She really wanted us to integrate uh, in the culture to be like proper, properly immersed in Quebecois culture Mm -hmm. while keeping our roots, you know. And when she saw us struggling, she would have one-on-one time with us, you know. So um, I remember, you know what she did? Mm. Uh, There was this girl, she wrote her a letter once and uh, she put, she went and gave it to her. And the next day, that girl, she opened her... um, you know, we, have, we would have our, what is it called? The table, mm-hmm. like the petit bureau we have. Like she opened it and it was a response back from her, her the teacher. And then everybody in the class was like, wait, the teacher answered you back oh. in a form of a letter? And then we all started writing her after class. We would like write her about like our, our how our day went through, the struggles we were having. Mm-hmm. And we would like give it to her and she would respond back. The te- Who does that? Your te- so- the time she took wow. after school. Like, um, I, I still, I, I mean, I'm a teacher now. I, I don't know if I, yeah, if I have the time, right? I don't, I don't know if I have, it, I have it in me after three o'clock to be like, sit down. And she did it. And, you know, like some kids, they were like, okay, fine. It's fun for once. But those who stuck with it, like I wrote her multiple times about my struggle with the language, my struggle with school and everything. And she know she picked up on that and she would have like one on one conversation with me. She would really like, okay, well let's stay back for lunchtime. We're gonna like review this together. Aww. We're gonna I struggle so much with math. Like I just my goodness. Mm-hmm. Like and she would like help me uh redo this same activity over and over again. She she would like bring us out bring out blocks because just the numbers on the paper wouldn't make sense for me. Mm-hmm. So like the effort she put, like they stayed with me. Wow. She was an amazing teacher. And you know, I don't, I, I, that's, that's really interesting that she did that because, you know, to allow your students to kind of write intimately to you, just as mm-hmm. between them and you, and, and then that way you built a report, like you knew mm-hmm. which, which, what everyone was going through. It's a beautiful way to, to kind of stay in tune and connect to your students. And mm-hmm. I loved how like she took note, like whatever you told her, she did something about it. Whether yeah, that was, yeah, and I feel like yeah. she. A lot of kids would write about their personal stu- struggles too, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, what they were going through in with their families and everything. And uh, you know, like because of that, I think she was a an amazing teacher. But also, she would teach differently. She would know if like why is that kid tired? Probably because something went down, mm-hmm. you know, like last night or something. So it's good. Uh, she was, I mean, she was inspiration. Wow, we all have a teacher that we, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we all have a I teacher that her. we remember. I have a teacher the same mm-hmm. way, but that's incredible that a teacher who was Cuban. Right. Um, who came into this country and studied French and was so passionate about teaching um, mm. those who didn't know French, French properly. And just having an overall great education experience, yeah. you know, because um, 
I'm sure she understood. She knows. She knows. You know. She knew the struggle. She knew the struggle, <laughs> and that's the thing about right when you people who know the struggle know. If you know, you know. Yeah. Type of thing. And she she really like the. I, now that you're making me think of that like i'm thinking of all the things we did mm-hmm. she she would bring us bring us to like libraries and not just the library beside the school like like the 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 main library library we have here in um, montreal like the bibliothèque nationale de montreal mm-hmm. she'd bring us there and we were fifth graders she really didn't have to do that mm-hmm. and the movies we'd watch with her and the parks she, she would bring us and that's like a lot like and she would do that in the metro and everything like we uh, she wouldn't like rent a bus now that i know how much it costs to rent a <laughs> yellow bus <laughs> i'm like okay so the effort she put dealing with all of those kids and back then it wasn't like oh we're just 17 in the class no no, no. back then we used to be 25 30 kids in one class so imagine her um you know like classroom management amazing how now that i know what it takes to be a teacher i'm just in awe that all of the not just the effort she put but the how good of a teacher she was really you know what is it about being in high school that gets you thinking about your life's purpose is life so terrible during those years that you're just deep in life thinking why am i here what is the meaning of this please Everyone go check on your high school friends. And for Rita, unfortunately, it was no different. In her sophomore year, during the holy month of Ramadan, she began to ask herself the existential question. I started thinking about God a lot. Mm-hmm. And I started being like, hmm, what is what is this you know should i who is god who is god um and my mom you know my mom Mm -hmm. i really mashallah like such a good mother she never forced us to wear the hijab she wears it and uh, she's very like god conscious she did all of the studying in quran and everything she never forced us to read uh you know like nama like the salah she never like uh forced us to wear the hijab she never said anything but she would tell us to like cover ourselves properly like uh, Mm -hmm. we had school uniform so she never bought us the half sleeves one mm-hmm. even for my brother she like wear the full sleeve one mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's something she was really focused on like no no, no your uh, the length of the shirt and the the, le- the sleeve length should be like long and everything so that's something she focused on but she never like forced anything on us and i think i started taking ramadan very seriously in in fourth so like in 10th grade and 11th grade i was like you know i have to really focus on my salah when ramadan is here i tried really hard like not to listen to music mm-hmm. when it was the month of ramadan and um so that was like uh, i would say my first spiritual awakening and then in 11th grade i made up my mind i was like you know what I'm going to wear the hijab as soon as high school finishes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wear the hijab. So my graduation, um, since it's graduation, everybody is getting like all ready and dolled up. I was kind of pissed. I was like, I don't want to open my hair. <laughs> like I just, ugh, I really so badly started to wear the hijab mm-hmm. um, because college was going to start and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my graduation was really, it was a fun thing, but we all got like, you know, like, dolled up and everything mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I I back of my mind I was like I really just want this to be over I really just can't wait to like start wearing the hijab yeah. and start going to college because mm-hmm. you high school at some point you start getting really tired of it especially you know when you're reaching like 16 17 you're like my god mm-hmm. I can't wait for this to be <laughs> over and especially for me I realized like 11th grade I was like you know what 
if you put effort in studying well, you can actually get good grades. And I started realizing I'm really good at writing. I'm really good at um, like making stories and everything. And my teacher, I got like good grades in French for the first time. I was like, look at that. Me getting 80s in French mm. from like my 55. What is happening? Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday's price is not today's price, right? Today is different. MashaAllah, <laughs> that's so, amazing. Uh, so I obviously i always like to read and everything so i think mm-hmm. that was like paying off at some point mm-hmm. <laughs> so um at that point i was like uh i just want to go out even the the cejep i chose the college i chose was like super far away it was an hour and a half away from where i lived i was like i don't want to be in contact with everybody anybody that i know i just want to like focus two years um on my studies and then go to university and i said so in the summer uh i after I graduated, I started wearing the hijab. It was great. It was amazing. Best experience of my life. Mm. So tell, yeah. so tell me, so tell me about that experience. Because I know wearing the hijab yeah. was a big deal. You know, it is. A, it was a big deal for me. It growing. was a big. So deal. tell me, so tell me about what that was like. Okay, so basically, after high school, after like my graduation, we went to US to see um, my aunts, and I told them I'm gonna, I'm gonna start wearing the hijab over there. Mm. And my aunts are so sweet. They brought me hijab shopping. I was like, ooh, I got so many <laughs> gifts. You know, it's so amazing. Like any, every time you tell someone I'm going to start wearing the hijab, so all of my uh, friends uh, that I told them and they were Muslim, all of their mothers, they gifted me hijab. Even like it was so sweet. I still have some of them. They're like pretty good quality. I was like, wow. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe it was given with a good intention. Mm-hmm. So they stayed for a long time. Um, but um, so when, when I I started, I started wearing the hijab for two reasons. First of all, I was like, you know what? Uh, I think when you start wearing the hijab, you get closer to Allah. Because I remember my my aunt in Pakistan, when she started wearing, the, basically she started learning the Quran. And when you learn the Quran, obviously you change a little. And she started wearing the hijab. But she did the proper like uh, niqab and everything, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, and she changed as a human being. She was very like tomboy and loud and <laughs> everything. And when she started uh, practicing like properly, I remember she became so calm. And, you know, I, I was like, wow, what is that? She's changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that stayed in my head. And I knew that if you wear the hijab, you get closer to Allah. I didn't know, like, why or, or how, how that would happen, if, right? Yeah. yeah. But I was like, if I do, it's good. And then going to college, I was aware of the fact that um, I'm not someone who can say no. <laughs> so if somebody would ask me something and everything, I'll just say yes. I was like, if I wear the hijab, so a lot of people just might not come to me knowing that, oh, she's Muslim. And, you know, people know that Muslim people don't drink or they don't do this and that. Mm-hmm. So they just won't ask me. And so I was like, okay, so for I started wearing that for two reasons, right? Like that, uh, getting closer to Allah and also like protecting myself mm-hmm. um, from these type of things. So I, when we came back from U.S., I had all these new hijabs and I had a gift from my best friend uh, that I brought her from New York. And I was like, hey, I have to give you that gift. And she's like, great, let's meet up at this park. I was like, great. So I was like, oh, it's my first day. <laughs> Today is the day I wear the hijab. And I had those tube thingy. And I was like, how do you put this tube? And back then, I did, YouTube wasn't, it was big. But I didn't knew I could just Google hijab tutorial. My God, I struggled for 15 minutes straight oh, up no. trying to put the tube thingy on. You know, the undercap. Yeah. And now I have an undercap. But like before it used to be. And my brother was like, I think you're doing it wrong. I was like, obviously, <laughs> I'm doing it wrong. And he tried it on. I was like, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> and oh God, I don't wear a white hijab. Okay, because. I feel like with my skin it's like really awkward and the first day of my first with my tan with my great summer tan I was like let's go with a white hijab your first hijab was a white hijab <laughs> goodness me Bismillah. the audacity I had. <laughs> 
know what? Can I tell you something? My first hijab I ever wore was pink. So I don't, I, I, I have no place to judge. It was like a bright, silky, pashmina <laughs> pink. And I remember oh my brother said to me that the, the morning I woke up, I wore hijab. He goes, you kind of look like a Pepnol Bismol. Are you, <laughs> are you sure that's the color you want to wear? Like this is, we, I said, what's wrong with the pink? <laughs> you know, it's we funny because now, statement, I, right? so now I religiously wear black for a reason because that pink traumatized <laughs> right? me. Okay, that pink traumatized me. But uh, so keep going. Tell, keep telling me. Tell me. So tell me about that's the white. The thing, we always want to make a statement. I think it's in it's a uh, it's in our unconscious. We chose the colors yeah, yeah, that will yeah. like really pop. And my friend, my friend, she was a hijabi. So she saw me. She was so happy. <laughs> and uh, it was a great, great day. Uh, I, and it was a summer day too. And I wasn't hot. I was like, why do people say, uh, "Are you hot in the hijab?" Oh my God. Um, but I'm not. I'm gonna be honest. Is the first time I noticed people staring at me. Mm. I was like, why is everybody staring at us, Mizian? Mm-hmm. Mizian is my best friend from Turkey. Shout out to Mizian. Shout out to her. <laughs> um, so she was like, that's what I told you about Rida. When you wear the hijab, people look at you. And I used to not believe her. Yeah. I was like, you're just too sensible. Cause I knew her um, since the age of twelve. Like in high school, we met her in high school, right? Yeah. And we're still best friend to this day. Mashallah, Tabaraka. But so. Um, she was like, and he used to be like, no, you're just too sensible. That's because you cry all the time. People can sense that you're weak. <laughs> so your hijab is like not the thing. I I was very like intense. As, sometimes I think of myself as a teenager. I was like, my goodness. I was very pretty. Yeah, I was pretty intense. I was like, this is not the, this is the way, this is my way or the highway yeah. kind of mentality. Yeah. You know, I was like, you're wrong. She was like, no, I'm not wrong. Because she got, when we were doing the college application and everything, she went to like different colleges and every uh, and all. And she sensed it. She was like, I don't want to go here. People looked at me weird. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like people would shout at her and she'd be like it's because of the hijab and everything and I didn't really understood the experience but that first day the first time that I noticed the stairs I was like whoa I guess it's real didn't bother me but I was like hmm I guess she was right Mm -hmm. so like uh, what did you think it meant like when you saw people staring at you what do you think the stairs meant I didn't understand it at first. I was like, uh, maybe like it's. I was like, maybe it's the white. <laughs> maybe it's the white. The it's white that I wore. My, yeah. You know what? Guess what? I thought the same too. It's the pink. I should have never did this. Uh, yeah. I was like, maybe it's my fashion sense. Like, cause you know when you go from not wearing the hijab to the hijab, your your fashion sense is like pretty much all over the all place. Oh, and you're just no. trying to figure out who you, you are. Be- in Listen, now we are blessed with those long sleeves, uh, um, long sleeve dresses. Do you remember the time where hijabis had to buy sleeveless yes! dresses? Either oh, wear a jeans jacket. We, we call those the dark top. era. We call that the dark era. <laughs> or or so, the, under, the underneath shirt. I am overweight, okay, guys. And the under undershirt with the 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 maxi on top was not a white for me. That wasn't okay. it. And guess what? We used to be, they even had the neck one. Do you remember? So when whenever oh shirts had that were too low, so they we created just a neck one that covered your chest, your neck. So I, it was the it was a dark times for hijab oh because God. there wasn't a lot of like clothing that considered yeah. us. You know what I'm saying? It's I so, barely layer now. I real for I, I layer now because I'm cold. You know, I had my high neck and everything, yeah. but not because of it's, it's hot summer. We used to like I was like maybe it's my fashion sense because mm-hmm. you're still sixty, you're still seventeen, you're still in that like you know like wearing weird clothes and everything. But I started realizing okay, no, it's not. It is because people. People be racist. <laughs> you never really forget the moment when you realize that the looks you were getting didn't just mean that people were curious about what you wore or why you wore it. Rather, you realize that some people actually had a problem with it, had a problem with your beliefs and how you decided to express those beliefs, that it really, really bothered people. And it wasn't just from people from 
you know, outside or people at the grocery store. Sometimes you see these people at your job. Sometimes they're your manager. From people you felt most vulnerable to. Sometimes you'd be in such a vulnerable situation that even your safety is threatened. You can never really forget the moment because it's like one minute ago you were in this bubble and you thought you were like everyone else. You mattered like everyone else. And then the next your humanity was stripped away. But Rita, Rita Allah, Allah had blessed her with this real quiet strength. A strength that came from the conviction that Allah would ultimately protect her. You know, like, it's so funny how a lot of my life is related. I'm not a political person at all, mm-hmm. but a lot of my things, a lot of the life decisions I've taken have, um, they were, like, very parallel to uh, what's happening, the political situation, right? Mm-hmm. So I, when I started wearing the hijab, going to uh, Sijab, we had um, Pauline Mahua here. Uh, she came and she was the first one who started talking about laicity, that the fact that we in Quebec shouldn't see religious symbols and all of that. And I used to go to Sejep and in Cegep, like in college, they, they push you, you know, to think a little more. We have like a, a philosophy class and all of that. Um, and that's the moment where they, even in like the metro, I remember the first time I saw that sign that says like there was a, there was a woman with a hijab. There was a man, uh, a Sikh man, so with the turban, uh, a Jewish man and a uh, a Christian person wearing like a super big cross, you know, like a one, mm-hmm. I think it was one meter or something. Mm-hmm. Cause you can, <laughs> I had never seen someone wearing this big of a cross, but it was on the picture. Um, and I was like, Whoa, okay. That's weird. That's uh, the, the woman in the hijab. That's me. You know, the first uh, poster that I saw talking about that, I was like, okay. And then, you know, like attacks starting happening here in Quebec. And I finished college by then. I never, uh, college life was really intense. It was just from school, uh, metro to um, my God, did I say metro? School, home. That's that's the life I had. I didn't really had a. I, I I didn't had a big social life or anything, right? In the metro, I would feel people not wanting to sit with me. Mm. A man who would come and sit with me and like shout or say take this off or something. I wasn't bothered by it. The first time I experienced it where I was bothered by it was when someone spit spat at me. Um, I was like, oh, that's not very nice. I was going to. I used to tutor. So I was tutoring this little girl. She she lived a little far, so it was an hour away from our house. And I was coming back, and I this man looked at me. He started like mumbling, and he came and he spat at me. But wow. I was like, whoa! And I I really I didn't know what to do. But Alhamdulillah, I think Allah Taala protected me because I saw my bus coming, and it was like red. So I just ran. I didn't even know if there yeah. was a car that was gonna hit me. I just ran, and I was in the I, I sat in the bus. And coming back home, I still didn't realize what happened. Once I reached home and told my mom was like oh someone spat at me because they don't like the fact that I wear the hijab mm. and I felt really bad for that old man yeah because I was like oh like imagine him living with all this anger and he was so old I felt bad for him I was like oh yeah that's sad. so you started to see images of yourself in campaigns where it was promoting mm. this whole idea of mm-hmm. removing religious symbols and obviously hijab was considered a religious symbol yeah um, and then and then you started to notice and this was happening during college right yeah, and I'm 18 yeah, back. And you're 18, 18 19. and you're wearing hijab. And and then now you realize. Fashion sense is still pretty poor. So most of the time I'm thinking it's maybe my fashion. Yeah, you're thinking for a lot of you thought it was in fashion. And then you start to see yeah. this political campaign that was going on. And then you start to see it in people. Uh, you know, show what they what their views were, and so. Yeah, and you start seeing it in the news. Mm-hmm. Women, you know what? Who was only? I feel like. 
you didn't saw Sikh men getting attacked on the news. You didn't saw any Christian man wearing a big cross across or getting attacked or um, a Jewish man, right? It was always, always a woman getting her hijab snatched off mm. or pushing, people hitting her. It, it, was, it was so horrible. I remember seeing it in the news. It was a mother with her child in the metro and she, she was an Arab woman and somebody pulled it off like oh, from wow. her head. A man. And it's always a man. It's so like, it's so weird. It, and I was a teen, you know, yeah. like pretty protected. And even though I was loud and all, like I, you know, like, I don't know. It was it was really sad to see mostly. Never scared me. Alhamdulillah. Never scared me that I should take it off or something. Yeah. But still. So yeah. like it, it, you it never at all got started to get scared. Like, did you start like no. the, did the way that you took the metro change? No, no. I would get anxious. If somebody started mumbling beside me, mm -hmm. like the anxiety went up. That's when I started really getting anxious, like the weird stomach feeling in the stomach, right? Mm -hmm. My mom always like told us, if you read your uh, dua of protection, you know, like dua of protection every morning, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so she never, you know, she wasn't scared, so we weren't scared. I feel like mothers are really, um, they play a big role. And I've seen mother who like, who gets scared the children get scared. Mm. My mom has always been a strong, strong presence in our life. Mm -hmm. Like she's always has kept us grounded. My dad was against me wearing the hijab, but my mom wasn't. She was really happy when I said I'm going to wear it. And she never said, uh, she always said, when you will do something right, like when, when you do something right, people are always offended. So even when I used to stand up for my classmates in high school, if they get bullied, I was like, hey, you can do that. I was like, People don't like you because they know you're living your truth. Mm. So when I start, when I was wearing the hijab and somebody would say that, back of my mind, I was like, I'm living the truth. They just don't like it. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. so that comes from my mom. That's not from me. <laughs> your unapologetic demeanor. So your fear yeah. wasn't anything to do. Like it wasn't, you know, there's two fears. Fears that like that prevent you from living your truth. And there's there's a fear of, okay, something might happen, but it's not going to stop me from living my truth, period, regardless. Yeah. So that was yeah. my fear. Yeah. Something might happen. So I'd get but, off. Like, but it's it not going to change. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I wasn't gonna take it off such somewhere. Yeah. I was like, no. And, and by the way, that wasn't even back then. That wasn't even like a thought that crossed my mind. Because I was like, this is just life, right? Like that's life. But as a Muslim, you'll get attacked. As a Muslim, see, that's that's kind of sad. Yeah. I grew up with the mentality that when you're Muslim, uh, it's normal that you get beaten up. It's normal that you get spat at. Wow. It's normal that somebody hits you. It's normal if somebody like uh, says bad to. Uh, you know, that's the thing. When people stare at me, I was like, I guess that's part of me. That's part of life now. And it's kind of sad. I don't think it's normal. It's it no. should be normal right that a, a child or a or like someone who's 12 deciding to wear the hijab is mentally prepared one day to get slapped by someone a man mostly um that okay yeah i wear the hijab so it's normal that i get like hit on the head once you know it's weird pause i know the story is getting so good but i have a message for you you already know that tds is about empowering women especially through financial independence this Ramadan, we're joining forces with Helping Hand for Relief and Development to sponsor a skills development and livelihood center in Madego, Kenya, to help train women and youth in employable skills for financial stability. Pave the path to success. Help a person in their time of need. Visit www.hhrd.org forward slash sisterhood to learn more. Things really went from experiencing discrimination to it becoming a legislative law in Quebec. On June 19, 2019, Bill 21, also known as Lysiette, or Quebec secularism, came into an effect, which meant that religious symbols such as the Jewish kippah, 
the Sikh Dastar, and the Muslim hijab in, in public educational, government, and law enforcement spaces were completely prohibited. Can you imagine? One day you were just living your life. And one morning you wake up and you find out you're out of a job. Or you find out that the country you might have been so proud of being a part of rejected you like this. Imagine being walked out of your job that you worked at because until you take that off, you don't belong here. That you here are second class citizen. Most of my teachers were atheists. Mm. And let's say you came in here with your hijab. They really wanted you to change your idea about God. Mm. And the horrors I had to see. Goodness. My my second philosophy class, the teacher, she was really Islamophobic. Mm. Like truly, I, I, I really use that word to describe someone because I think it's very harsh. But she had something against Muslim because the whole class, she could have taught us anything. But I think half of us, half of that was spent... Uh, spent like showing videos about Islam that were just so inappropriate and just now that I think about it back in the day it was me and another guy we were the only Muslim in the class I used to look at him I was like we don't, we don't really do that do we? he was like no I've never done that I was like I've never done that I oh, no. and we didn't I was like we don't know how. I didn't know how to defend it I didn't know what's the difference between culture and Islam like our yeah. deen I, didn't, I wasn't very well versed I didn't really I didn't really used to read the Quran right so I, I didn't really knew and then I was like, you guys, like, I would raise my hand. I was like, this is wrong. She's like, explain why. And I was like, I don't know no. what it is. <laughs> I never done it. And you were just like, I, you know, I could imagine. God. Because you know your faith, even if you're not fully educated, right? There's just mm. still the sense of understanding of, yo, relax. My religion is very peaceful. I don't know what. Yeah, I was like, my what grandfather. All of these he, things you're talking about. Yeah, it's like the way she like portrayed men in Islam. It's like, my grandfather makes breakfast for my grandma yeah. in the morning. <laughs> I've never like. And she made it sound like. And what did, what did she make it sound like? That Muslim men were. Oh, they would torture women. They would hit women. Super They're like taking their rights away. They saw she saw she showed us a video of a third-year-old girl getting the you know like she a, showed a video. Yeah, yeah, of circumcision, but like women don't do that in Islam, right? We don't have that. And she said, and it was, she said, Muslims, this is their custom. <clears throat> all Muslim do it. All Muslim do it. She's like, this is something that all Muslim do it. And she looked at me and she's like, did you went through this in, <gasps> when you were a third, third, two year old? I was like, no, my goodness, it's so inappropriate. In front of so your whole personal. class? <laughs> yes. She, I was so, uh, oh God, it was oh so bad. Subhanallah. Ugh. I can't even. That's kind of humiliating, you know? Especially Good. like Yes, it was humiliating because it was related with like a freaking private, private part. Areas. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I it's don't want to be this it's, it's interesting. How big was your class? Was it a huge class? Uh, I think it was 30, 40 people probably. 40 people. And I used to, uh, yeah, I used to sit in front. So Alhamdulillah, I wasn't able to, like, I could sense the, the tension, but I wasn't, I could, I didn't make eye contact with everybody. Mm. I was like, nope. But you, <laughs> Just, you, know. but you were very adamant of defending. At this point, you were, felt yeah, like yeah, you were very I, adamant of defending I would tell her Islam. that you're wrong, yeah. but I didn't just knew how to. Now, if I go back in time, I would be <laughs> like, you're wrong because this is culture. This is not Islam. Yeah. And you're taking a video of a small village somewhere in Indonesia who, you know, like this. This is just so wrong. Anyways, and 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 she made you guys. She essentially she set you guys up to be embarrassed yeah. and say, look, look at the, look. They don't even look at look at this. Like this is what they do. Yeah. And I can't imagine. I'm so sorry that you experienced that. Like no, that's fine. <laughs> it made me who I am, right? <laughs> so you. So another question for that is like, so you started to take all these social studies programs. You took philosophy, and it seems like the entire program for philosophy was to was to convince you out of Islam. You know, and not just Islam, any religion. Any religion. Like they, they really wanted you to like. 
this is how I felt. Mm-hmm. You know, like the books we read and everything, they made you question a God, right? In a in a way that I used to come home and I was I also I used to tell my mom that Alhamdulillah we are Muslim and Alhamdulillah my faith is somewhat firm because if it was even a slight bit wobbly, I would have been like, oh, okay. You know, I would have mm. I would have fallen in that trap. Bec- and I, my mom used to be really scared and she started praying for all of us. <laughs> <And> <laughs> we weren't very firm, you know, to be honest. Like, she was like this. She doesn't even read her salah five times a day and she's saying I'm firm on my religion. <laughs> Mashallah. That's, that's really interesting, though, to, to, to be even that Allah gave you the tawfiq to be confident even when you didn't know. And even though yeah. when you weren't Alhamdulillah. praying. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's so interesting. Because, you know, yeah. you could you're right. You could have been... You could have left. You could have been atheist. Yeah. You could have decided, yeah, you know, maybe these people are making sense. Why do you think that you had that conviction, though? I think it's my mom. Like, seriously, I have to give all the credit to my mom. Like, since we were, like, young, the stories of the prophet she used to read us. Mm. And um, she, since she, she she studied, the, you know, Quran and everything, she, she knew how to, like, convey the message and how she said it a lot. My mom, one thing she told us is, like, we have to be good. And if we're good, like... Everything around us is good, right? And then she also used to tell us that everything that you do, you have to do it with a good intention. So these type of like things, she little little things she would tell us. I think they stayed with us. And she is very practicing. Like she, she's a proper practicing woman, right? Like so, I I think it's my mom. Mm. The way my mom brought us up was love, just with love. Pure. Very rarely did she like focus on the fear like oh you should be scared of Allah or you should be scared she never ever focused on hate right like our fear like mm-hmm. she was like she always be like Allah Ta'ala loves you and he protects you he takes care of you and he's uh, always watching over you and he answers to all of your duas and if you're going through struggle just raise your hand and you know protection dua and all of that right so it's like maybe because of the fact that she put so much love mm. of Allah in her heart that we were always like pretty pretty you know like okay i have this to turn to yeah. i have a lot to turn to rita had the opportunity to become a supply teacher midway into her uh, degree even though she wouldn't finish the program quebec at the time was looking for supply teachers so rita applied what should have been a quick interview took a turn for the worse in a way she could have never imagined so um, it was two years in my program. Like, so normally they wouldn't ever allow that, but now they were they're allowing like teach uh, uh, students who are becoming teachers to become substitute teachers. So even though you're studying to become a teacher, you can still um, become a substitute teacher, right? And you can still have a contract, which back in the days was not something that was uh, that was done, right? So because of the situation right now, that was allowed. And I was two years in my program and there was me and another hijabi. She was like, you should. She was uh, she already um, she already like applied and she uh, she already was like substitute teaching. And she was like, you should do this because this law, this bill 21 is a real thing. I was like, no, I was going through something personally. Like I feel something and I was like, I don't I wasn't in the mood. Right. And she was like, you really should, because it's if you don't do it right now, they're going to announce it and then you won't be able to teach. I was like, yo, whatever. I'll be able to teach when I'm done, like the four year program. Right. And uh, she was like, OK, whatever. So I didn't listen to her advice. So the bill, uh, the bill went through and I was like, oh, oh. The bill went through. And I am someone who reacts very physically, right? Like, if you surprise me, I'll be red and I'll, I'll break into, like, rashes. <laughs> 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 I 
I'll just break out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that day, I got, I, when I read it, my hands, they had like, all, they were, it became all red and they had like rashes all over. And so, I remember that because I sent a picture to my best friend. I was like, look at what, look at what this law is doing to me. <laughs> Subhanallah. And, uh, and she was like, uh, so I was like, oh no, I should really like, um, uh, because it went through, I should really apply. Like uh, at, le- at least as a substitute teacher. Yeah. <laughs> when normally it takes, time when you apply for you know what yeah. it is like to apply for a job you get an answer really late right mm-hmm. but n- r- because the situation is like so um dire they call you right back like we the situation is really bad so they just sometimes they don't like depending on like which uh commission you're applying to like which school board you're applying to they don't even like do an interview um like in person interview they'll just do like a phone interview and they're like you're good come in from tomorrow mm-hmm. like so um, um i did it where i live so montreal um and i applied and uh, she was like, okay, great. Uh, you have an interview uh, this day at 1 p.m. I was like, great. And that um, I was like, okay, that's great. Amazing. Um, so my friend was like, let's go out. And so that day specifically, I don't remember that day. It was a sunny day. Um, and she was like, let's go out for like uh, for coffee. I was like, I can go out for coffee at 12 because I have an interview at 11. Let's do a breakfast or a brunch situation like in the morning. She was like, okay. So we met up for brunch. It was great. It was amazing. Uh, I went home. And then she, the lady, she called at one exactly. <laughs> and then she, you know, like they call and they're like, they go through your name and they go through, okay, you're doing Francais Long Seconde. Do you, do you like, you, like you finish your tech fee, blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay. And then she goes, so this is new, but I have to read you this law. And basically the law is like, uh, like like I wouldn't wear if I, if I am a practicing teacher, if in my classroom, I wouldn't wear any religious symbol. Like that's what she said. She said, I have to say that law. She said, And then she said the whole thing. And I was like, oh my God. And I didn't know what to do. Like, I think I paused for five seconds. Wow. And in my head, so many things went through. And I tell you, so many, the thought process I went through was so fast. I was like, just say, just say, yeah, 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 it's fine. And I was like, you can't say, yeah, she'll know at some point. Um, that you wear the hijab yeah. because what if there's an in-person interview she's like and I was like oh well why don't you just start wearing a turban and oh, then no. just call that a hijab and yeah. I was like with my round face a turban <laughs> what is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> this is horrifying you, you know the you're alternative look- <laughs> is worse <I> in <laughs> my head I was like going through like and I was like listen you you can just instead of teaching high school you can just teach like kindergarten you can just teach like first second grade and they're little children and just don't wear it in your class because because like, she was what? saying she was giving that advice because little kids no she wasn't giving that advice that's in my head in oh, the conversation so I have in t- my head so you're telling myself oh no so you're telling yourself <laughs> okay well kids can see me without because they're kids and so yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. wow so you were really trying to see if I there was, was like, a way should I should this? I just say yes and then in my the little ones in my head was like uh, lie that would be lying. Deceiving. Oh my gosh. And she was, and I was, and she was, and my head was like, um, just, just say no. Like you're not gonna take it off. Like I was like, um. So I told the lady, I was like, um, it's because I wear the hijab. So no. She was like, oh. And I was like, yep. And she was like, okay. I was like, yep. And she was like, I. I don't... She was taken aback, basically. That poor lady, she was Miskin. so scared. She, I was like, she was like, oh, well, là, il faudrait que je mette fin à l'entrevue, là, ça veut dire? Like, she was like, I would have to put the uh, end to the, to the interview. And oh I was like, God. I guess. And she was like, I guess. I was like, wait, but sh- should I stop studying? Because I still have two years to go. She's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. <gasps> she said so that? Like, 
Yeah, of course. She was like, wait, wait. Okay, so I, she said, okay, wait, don't leave your studies. Just wait a two second. And I, I can hear her conversing with her colleague. Mom, <laughs> she's so that's sweet. very she sweet like, of her Last in, in Fiki porte le voile. She's like, oh, this is the girl. She's wearing the hijab. And she, she just said no because she wears a hijab. And she's asking if she should continue her studies. And her colleague was, the, her, uh, colleague was like, tell her to st- finish her studies because this is not okay. And she was like, uh, she was like, no, no, you should finish them. You should definitely finish them. Wow. I was like, okay. I was like, so what can I do? She was like, I don't know. I'm so sorry sorry i was like i don't know and she was like well like i good luck with your life good luck with finishing your program and all the best to you have a good day i was like to you too have a good day (laughs) that is you know i I did it can i tell you something i didn't know that like you know with everything that's happening with the whole the bill bill 21 and secularism and quebec and all of canada obviously is really really upset about this right we're very upset Mm -hmm. right but i didn't know i didn't think about until I listen to your story, that there are French people who are upset too. Oh yeah, I didn't even realize. I, mean, I didn't, you know, in my head I thought they all were they all were pro this bill, you know. But I didn't even think mm. about that there were actually French people who are uh, who are just disgusted with this with this law, and listen, and and, they, and for them to tell you, like, mm. don't drop out of school. This law is ridiculous. Is just remarkable to hear. Because I forgot. Well, I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. There were people who were That's also Frank, Francophone, you know, French mm-hmm. Canadians who were obs- proper Quebecois. I think she was Quebecois. This was from her. Oh my god, she she's like Quebecois. A- <laughs> Imagine Quebecois, who's also and, and a lot of Quebecois are obviously like uh, a lot. Of, there's yeah. a few of them who are uh, <laughs> a who lot agree. of them are nice. Lo- my, my friends are all Quebecois. Yeah. I wouldn't be happy to but, You know, I, I realized I didn't I didn't realize that there were also Quebecois people who were upset with this bill. And don't think mm-hmm. it includes, you know, it, it's not includes their values. So I Can just, I, tell you something? I think it's beautiful, honestly. It, it is. is beautiful. I'll tell you. Okay. So there was this protestation we, I, I went through after the law that had passed away. There was like a lot of protestations, right? Mm-hmm. So I went with uh, to one. And that was one of the key moments in my life where I realized that. So that for, I'll finish my thought first. That that's the day I realized, okay, this, I can't be, become a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. But I had this like little glimmer of hope that, um, it's okay. I'll finish the four-year program and we'll see where it goes. So when I when I when I put the phone down, my mom looked at me. She was like, "What happened?" I was like, "I told her what happened," and she was like, "Good, you did good job." Like she said, like a check, yeah, like it's you did a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then she went away. I was like, "Oh." I was sitting there in the living room alone. I was like, God, With your thoughts. what is that? I was, I was just like, what just happened? I was so taken aback. But um, in my uh, eternal optimism, I was like, it's okay. I have two years to go. <laughs> no worries. Mm-hmm. Everything is going to be fine. Um, I, because I didn't even, to be honest, I, I had a student job. I was working like retail and stuff. I was like, I don't really need the money right now. I was just doing it for the law anyways. So like, whatever. I really didn't feel like substitute teaching anyways, you know, like, because it, it takes away, you know, like from your day and everything is really long and everything. So I was like, whatever. It's not the end of the world. So at that moment, I didn't thought it was a big deal. And I just moved on. But coming coming back to the Quebecois people thing, they do support you, you know? Like they are disappointed in when, what's happening to their country because technically, like they don't, not all of them stand for, uh, <laughs> uh, because they did fought for women's right and everything, you know. They're just mm-hmm. a little lost, maybe, but they're good people here, you know. They 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 take care of you and they they're with you. So there was this protestation I went through, and um, I was that was a there was a key moment in my life where I realized that I don't want to do this. Like I don't want to. 
I don't want to fight for this law anymore because I was there and through at the end of the rally I realized that like I was looking at I was looking at the people present right you know who was there Who's Sikh there? brothers like Sikh 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 people like I saw saw them like uh, men mm-hmm. not women Sikh men women who wear the hijab so like Muslim women who wore the hijab and like a sprinkle of Quebecois people mm-hmm. and that's it. I didn't saw any Muslim brother there and I didn't saw a lot of Muslim sisters who don't wear the hijab wow and i was like oh like look at that like we're like you know i i was like this this can't be it like this is not life yeah and sadly like that day i also realized like because i it was a big deal for me right because i in my whole badge like on my whole like um the the the, it's, it's called a badge right in english the batch like what do you mean like the badge like the whole like classroom yeah, your batch, we your graduating class. your batch right mm-hmm. we were just two hijabis and i was the one who was affected by the fact that i wouldn't be able to teach right and we we are pretty like we, were, we if the the day of the protestation everybody knew about it like but nobody showed up like we are all teachers aren't we supposed to show up for to, like support each other absolutely nobody showed up and like even from my like close friends who do wear the hijab and everything they they weren't there even though they were invited they didn't came other women who wear the hijab who are teachers in my class like or other bash right like doesn't have to be french but english or maybe history yeah or french normal like french long uh, pronunciation um they also didn't show up those who were okay with the fact that those who got their jobs and those who weren't affected by it as much they weren't there and that day i was like yo you're really alone yeah <laughs> you're and i didn't want to fight this it's humiliating going on <laughs> like it's 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 a very it's a feeling where you feel very alone but it's also like is that what i want to do with my life is this something really i want to fight for like wearing the hijab right like it's <laughs> what is what is life you know mm-hmm. so, yeah that's devastating to feel like uh you're not supported by your own your own muslims who recognize that like mm. yo i'm affected by this law that it, that hinders my my faith the practicing of my mm. faith and and it's not a concern for the muslim population mm. it's not a concern just on everyone you know who believes they're in unbothered i feel like they as if they don't care as if like you'll see that in social media people posting pictures and everything but physically when you have to like actually put it into action um not a lot of them show up you know like not a lot of them are there to support you and nobody really understand the struggle you go through mm-hmm. you feel really alone and that's where like see this is when i became really god conscious mm-hmm. because when i the the thought of like taking my hijab off like that day at the, the interview scared me where i was like yo if you you take this off who are you do you pray five times a day no do you like read the quran like i was i would open it in like the month of ramadan it would proper give me a headache because arabic was hard for me i was like oh god like i wasn't able to read it like properly and i was like like what are you doing the only thing that like represent like the only thing you'll have in front of allah taala on the day of judgment would be like yeah wear the hijab like it's not enough mm-hmm. you know and i was like my priorities are at the wrong like they're wrong like i i'm not uh, cuz it becomes such a thing like it's it's a veil i understand like it's a now i understand the value of wearing it like what modesty means and what like like this is an act of obedience it's worship like if you're wearing the hijab right like you're getting like me and you right now we're getting like reward mm-hmm. like a muslim brother won't get because they're they don't wear the hijab they don't have that we have this extra thing that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put on us like imagine his mercy for women mm-hmm. that even when you go out 
you're like you're wearing the hijab and all like you're you're in a form of worship because you're obedient to me you get extra reward for that it's amazing you know yeah. i didn't knew the value of that i didn't i didn't value myself at at some point i started looking at the hijab as just a piece of cloth unfortunately and i was like it's just that you know because mm-hmm. my <laughs> all of my clothing sense didn't really go well with <laughs> the hijab mm-hmm. i would just have this scarf on my head that's it you know mm-hmm. yeah so now tell me about Allah closes one door, right? Now you're realizing mm-hmm. this bill is preventing you from doing your dream, which is to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, and um, being a French teacher in particular was one thing that you were going for. Now that door is closed. And now you're um, you're reflecting about Allah. You're thinking, now you're thinking about your, yourself, like your relationship with Allah, because it was alone. You, as you said, you felt alone and alienated mm-hmm. about the situation you were in. And you realized, like, I can't. I can't take off my hijab. So... What happened next? <laughs> what happened next? What happened after that? Like, I was like, if I take this off, I have nothing else. To <laughs> I am not a good human being. Like, this is nothing. I started, I was like, what can I control? I can't, I can't control anything. Like, I cannot control the fact that um, uh, people in my life, I can't control their feelings towards me. I can't control, um, like, I can't control this law. Like, this, this, what I can do is become a better Muslim. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time of, of that I thought of myself as a Muslim. I was like, you know what? I, I I can become a better Muslim. I was like, okay. So what should I get? Should I do? I was like, maybe start reading salah. <laughs> maybe start by that. So I used to pray here and there. You know, like Ramadan is the month I used to like be able to like read it, like you know, the fard and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I started doing. And I was like, God, this is embarrassing because you know when you don't do something for a very long time and then you start doing it again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like going back to the, like, it's like going back to the gym after being gone for so long. Yeah, and you're like so all of the effort you put in to build that muscle memory gone. Like, God and the accent. I was like, oh mm. goodness, how do you pronounce this? Mm-hmm. And like my uh, when I was. Seven years old. My mom was like, uh, it was my birthday. And she was like, I'll give you a gift. I was like, ooh. We didn't really celebrate uh, birthdays in our house. And uh, we'd like have um, like a meal, like a special meal or maybe like a gift or so that my aunts would give. But it wasn't like a celebration. I was like, my mom, a gift? And uh, she was like, yeah. So when it was time for Maghrib, so she's like, your gift today is like, you're going to start reading Maghrib every single day. Oh. And she was like, this is your gift, to you, the, my gift to you, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> it was a good gift. <laughs> so she gave me a little hijab, like a little, like, uh, she told me, like, uh, the, the, I'm from, it was in Pakistan, so she, like, put me, so she taught me how to do Maghrib Salah, right, mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. We used to pray, like, here and there, like, follow the steps, but she told me, you know, like, she sat beside me and my aunts were there. It was really nice, right? Mm-hmm. So when I started re- establishing Salah again, I used to, like, remember that moment. I was like, look at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I, it was very hard. Oh, God. My sister once saw me praying. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know when to do the, tash- the, the, the you know, like, tash- tash- yeah. the, yeah sorry again mm-hmm. um so she was like no it's not like that and she's like i struggle with this too just watch this youtube video i was like thank you so, so alhamdulillah for my sister who saw me struggling mm-hmm. she didn't tell my mom yeah. <laughs> she just yeah. god and I, she just uh she, you know she showed and so i started like watching that video and then establishing like you know like a, I, even even though i wouldn't be able to wake up her fajr i still before going out i'll i'd read it you know mm-hmm. i'd be like okay so i started like praying and I think that's something that pushed me. Um, and then Ramadan came. COVID hit mm-hmm. and I was home. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. And then Ramadan came and I always have a, a dua list. Okay. 
And uh, in my Dwaras this time, it was like, okay, well, you know, ask for like maybe moving out from Montreal, maybe moving out from Quebec and mm. becoming a teacher somewhere like else in Canada or something. Mm -hmm. And the last 10 days of Ramadan, I remember, they were so, they're important, right? Where like, uh, they're supposed to like, you're supposed to ask for, what you because it, it's also the night where you can have like Lalitul Qadr and all of that. Mm, the and last I 10 nights, I, it's the race. The last 10 it's nights are so important. And they yeah. they told us, like, as somebody, um, I, I, I was listening to a video and it said, if you really want something, you will wake up for the Hajjad. No. And if you don't, so I started waking up for the Hajjad too, right? So I would wake up and I was like, okay, this is a really nice moment. I really like it because it's calm and everything. And I remember those last 10 days, I don't know what happened, but every time, like, I would, I would like raise my hand to ask something to Allah Ta'ala. Like I wasn't able to do it. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I was like, no words are coming out of my mouth. What is wrong with me? Like I, I have written my dua, like why can't I just do it? So there was this one night I was like, oh, like I, I'm starting getting sick and tired of like always asking the same thing. And like at this moment, I was just like, I can't even ask. For, when I tell you, like no words were coming out of my mouth. No words were coming out of my mouth. I was like, it's fine. Just get up, do another turaka and sit down again. Maybe some, you'll, something will pop up, right? If it doesn't work out, just go, go look in your book, okay? That's your list. And after my turaka, I, it's the first time I broke down, like crying when asking for something like properly crying and I was like Allah, Allah I am so lost like I am so lost that I don't even know what to ask you like I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with my life I don't want to leave my family and go alone like live alone is so sad I love my family like we're very pretty close-knit I was like oh like I was just I, was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to ask for I don't know what I'm supposed to do but I know that you know like, can, can you just guide me? Can you just guide me to a, the path that will bring cl me closer to you, that will let where you will love me? Can you just do that? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to ask you for. And I felt something change. I was like, oh, mm. what is that? <laughs> what is that feeling that I'm feeling? <laughs> and I think after, like, all the 10 nights, that's what I, like, not exactly that, because that's when I was crying and all. But um, I will, like, ask the Allah Ta'ala to guide me. I was like, can you, Ya Allah, just guide me. Guide me towards the right direction. Guide me towards a straight path. Though the fact that I used to say straight path, I didn't really know what it meant. <laughs> now I know what it means. And when I ask Allah, Ya Allah, guide me towards a straight path, I straight up shiver because I know what it involves and what it means. Back then I was like, guide me towards the straight path, the path that will lead me to you. Like Subhanallah. just <laughs> straight up. Now I'm like, oh God, when you ask that, there's a lot of responsibility and accountability that comes with it, right? Mm -hmm. And subhanAllah, my aunt suggested me like... Um, because I, I finished my program and everything, and she was like, what are you going to do now? I was like, I guess I'll do a master's. And she was like, you know Talim al-Quran? I was like, no. She was like, look at it. Look at look at, look at at it. It's like six months. I was like, it's a six-month program where you learn uh, about the Quran. I was like, okay. So I looked at it, and it was not six months. It was 18 months. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, okay. That's a lot of months. It was online, though. So I was like, okay. Well, I just, like, pushed it. I was like, whatever. And I joined the class and wow, my goodness, like I, I didn't knew <laughs> what I was getting into. It changed me. And then I realized the dua that I asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide me towards him and to, to guide me towards the right path. That was it. Like that what he was planning for me. Like I left, I was like, I don't want to work. Like, I don't want to like, okay, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want me to become a teacher because I wear the hijab. Okay, you're lost. Bye bye. Like I'll do this. I'll do this. Allah this is Akbar. this is the biggest gift 
first gift that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala bestowed upon us is the fact that we're Muslim, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I told you, we have this little guidance, and we know what's we know truth from right, even though we're not able to defend it. We we are we are able to recognize at least when someone is lying. We are able to recognize that okay, no, there is a God. You shouldn't be atheist. That's not a thing. Mm-hmm. But then, when he like you know, there's this hadith that we learned that if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wants to increase someone in goodness, He increased them in understanding of Deen. When I learned that, I was like. Increase me in goodness, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Like in want me, you know. That was such, like, when I started this journey, I didn't knew where that I was gonna change so much. That my thought process was gonna change. But that's that's what the Quran does to you, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so so tell me. <laughs> so you decided. So you decided you were gonna go and do this eighteen month program, this Talim al Quran, to learn. About Allah's Quran, you know, to learn. Yeah, my too. Yeah, <laughs> may I add? <laughs> I didn't know what the Fatah Makasra was. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so tell audacity. I had. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your first day in Talimul Quran. What was the first thing you learned that like changed everything for you? So it's from nine to three, right? I came out of my room and my sister was like, "Were you in a war?" <laughs> 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 I was so tired. I was like, what did I just... I, it was intense. Yeah. It was pre, It was great because, I, mashallah, our teachers are so nice. They're so soft-spoken. It was amazing. I knew I was at the right place, you know? I knew I was at the right place because every time I told my aunt, like when I told my aunt I joined this and when I told my mom, the, the happiness that on their face when they gleamed, I was like, oh, I made a right decision because <laughs> they, they weren't even that happy when I told them I wanted to do this or that. They were just all so happy for me. I was like, this is the this is the good thing I'm doing because look at the adults in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they seem to be very happy with that. And um, I did, I really didn't know what I was getting into. But when they when we started like learning and everything, it was all, at first it was overwhelming, right? Because you have to like, um, there's a lot of homework and you have to like learn and memorize and the, the duas, grammar, all of that. Like at once, it's a lot from nine to three sitting in the same place. Like just everything going in your brain is like overwhelming and you have like a, um, you know, it's like an overload of information, especially mm-hmm. if you're not well versed in Arabic. Like I, 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 first six months, I used to get really bad headaches because English Arabic was a lot for me to handle. Right. And this, the pronunciation was very hard. Now, Alhamdulillah, is getting better. Very bad at Tajweed still, but <laughs> it's okay. We're going to get better in the, in the long run. I remember there were so many verses our teacher used to tell us that I would start crying and everything because, you know, it's about like Allah's chosen slaves and everything and all of that. And I never really gave it as an importance that we are born Muslim. It's a big deal to learn understand what's written in the Quran it's a big deal right mm-hmm. like I didn't really give importance and when it started like when I started understanding that okay this is a this is a big deal this is this means that you you were chosen to do something for the sake of Allah you were doing your do Allah chose you from um, all the people he chooses you like to to learn his kalam like it's such a big deal and it I, I don't know you know I used to cry a lot when the first because I I just couldn't deal with how much you know, like Allah Allah sees me, mm-hmm. He loves me. Because mm-hmm. I used to feel so alone. Nobody, like I was like, nobody <laughs> understands the feeling that I'm going through. And He, like, you know, you have to rely upon Him alone. Mm-hmm. What was the, can you tell me one thing, the first thing you learned that brought tears to your eyes? It was a hadith. You know that hadith that says, um, when you go out in the path of Allah and uh, the angels, they protect you. You're basically walking on the... The, if you travel on a road in search of knowledge, 
um, Allah will cause him to tra- travel on the road of paradise, mm-hmm. and then even the the deep uh, fish, the, the fishes, the fish in the deep water, even they ask for his forgiveness, you know, for the seeker of knowledge. That that hadith, mm-hmm. I I started to cry after that when one of our stars said that hadith because I was like, you know, I felt so rejected, like my like. Society doesn't like me because of what I wear. My friends don't understand me. My colleagues, they, my classmates, they don't really understand what I'm going through. You start feeling alone. And obviously it was COVID, so you're still like, you're home alone and you feel alone a lot, you know? Yeah. I was like, I felt so rejected and I felt like nobody knew that even I existed and what I was going through. And then when she said the fish in the sea, I was like, the fish in the sea? And I started to cry. I was like, they know about me, and they like you know, like I didn't understand the magnitude of uh, um, Allah's mercy and Allah's power. But at that moment, I was like, if they are asking for my forgiveness, this is enough for me. This mm-hmm. is enough for me to stay in this class and yeah. like walk on this path for the rest of my life because I, you know, I don't. I just want that. I don't want anything else. I don't want anybody else's love except Allah's. That's it. Wow. That's beautiful, yeah. you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's even more remarkable to know that like this is where you ended up, and to hear the mm-hmm. hadith is also a, a reminder that what you're doing is the right is the right way, you know, and mm-hmm. um and to to have that confidence, I can imagine really transformed everything. So now, mashallah, you're almost graduating, mashallah, may Allah bless you and accept all your efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, you're almost coming to the end of your 18 month program, um. And I know you've learned a lot, you know, mm. I learned a lot um, thus far. How do you think the Qur'an or learning the Qur'an has transformed you as a person? Well, it has. Everything around me then changed. The room I'm in, my, the people around me, my friends, nothing changed. I changed and the perception I have of, of the world changed. Like, you know it says and when we when you learn the Quran right it says that the if the mountain were the mountain refused to take the, the this responsibility of the Quran and the human being was like yeah I'll take it you know yeah. and when the mountain if they were to take this they would they would break it would crush them but for us when we start reading the Quran what happens is you know all that the ego the desires we have they're crushed hmm. and then you realize who you really are you're just a slave to Allah you live and you know you live for him and you're supposed to do every single thing you do it is for him and that's i think the the biggest and the biggest like understanding that i have the biggest thing i have understood is this message that okay i am nothing without him and everything that i have to do is for him that's it like that's a simple it's difficult to live by but it's a simple message to understand right and the way i've changed i think Every every surah has brought something in me. Like I, I've changed my way of eating, the way I used to like dress before versus now. You know, surah Nur changed me a lot. I surah Nur was a big surah for me mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of like, cause you learn a lot, mm-hmm. right? You learn about like it's. I think it's the first surah that explicitly talk about uh, the hijab, the the your jilbab, the what you're supposed to wear and how you're supposed to wear it, you know, as a woman, a modest woman and everything and how you're supposed to put it in practice. And also it talks about your, um, the community living and how I, we live. Hmm. So, yeah, that, that sort of changed me. Like after that sort of, I like, I, I deleted my social medias because that wasn't bringing me any good. I, dele- I, I, I changed the way I wear the hijab. I used to wear it in a very, um, 
I used to just throw my hijab like that. Now it's like properly covered, you know. So and I, this only happened because like I understood what it was. The, what Allah the, was saying. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's and what, I, it's not like any shade to someone who doesn't do like I didn't use to do it probably no shade to anyone. Yeah. You know? like, I mean it's, it's a journey. Just, We're all on a journey. But yeah, subhanAllah when yeah. you when you gain the knowledge, um, it makes your transitioning easy, right? Mm -hmm. Because you recognize that Allah is, you know, is sufficient for you. Um mm -hmm. and any test that you're facing is easier with knowledge of him. You know what mm -hmm. you don't want to test it difficult when you don't know Allah. And you think you're going through it yourself and you're trying to meet all of these like checkpoints. You're trying to be the best Muslim. You know, like the, the job, the transformation is easier when you know him. Mm. When you don't know him Sheesh. is when it's really difficult. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like that's when it, when mm -hmm. you feel alone. But subhanAllah, mm -hmm. when you learn that Allah is closer to you than your jugular vein, you recognize you're not alone. Actually, re actual actuality, you're not actually ever alone. That Allah ever. is always there. And yeah. it's like, it, it changes your perception of like, oh, I've been feeling lonely for so long and now I have this knowledge, I don't feel as lonely anymore. Yeah. And so you- And I don't know if you, yeah. before you used to be, I used to be surrounded by people and I used to feel like alone. Now I'm alone in a room and I feel like comforted by someone. <laughs> it's just, there's yeah. this like, you know, this, yeah. this thing. I remember like Surah, Surah I, re I remember so well, right? Like we learned Surah Nahal in um, September, yeah. you know, the B, the yeah. Surah of the B. Yes. And, um, that sort of changed me because it talks a lot about blessing. And I remember that that moment why um, uh, m all of my friends, they graduated and they all had classes. They were all like, oh, I have this contract, that contract. And I was feeling really down. I was like, goodness me, like everybody's doing something. And here I am, uh, like, n you know, not achieving anything in my life. And I remember so well, ooh, that day. <laughs> verse 10, I, I think it was verse 95 of Surah uh, Nahal that says that uh, do not sell the covenant of Allah for a small price. Mm. And that hit me like a slap. I was like, oops. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Am I gonna really sell this knowledge, what I'm gaining for like a small price? You know, like for just this dunya? No, I wouldn't want to do that for anything. You know, I want to rely upon Allah. Just him, this the Quran and everything. This is way more important, and the blessings that this is gonna, this is bringing. First of all, right now, I can see the barakah and the blessings. But even in the future, like what I can rely upon, that it's way bigger than any like job in this world. Absolutely. Like this, don't exchange the price of like this world for your hereafter. Don't do that. That's the first lesson. That's the first time I felt like someone Absolutely. like hit me a little. You know? Absolutely. Do not do not exchange what Allah has offered you for a short price. And subhanAllah, yeah. I think your story reminds me of that. I have a question for you. My last question for you. Mm -hmm. Which name, which name of Allah's 99 names mm -hmm. reminds you most about your story? Like what name of Allah Taala would you attribute to your story? That Allah is Al-Latif. That he's subtly kind. Mm. That he noticed that you're struggling, but then he'll send small, small things either via like a like a message that a friend will send you, mm. or maybe just a word someone will say, or maybe you'll see something outside, and it will make your life easier. Mm. And but because he he's there for you, and he's ever so kind and ever so gentle to all of his slaves. That's what I love. Oh, no. wow. Because he is merciful and all, but he's Allah. He is like, he, oh, he's like, he truly is subtly kind. Have Have you ever seen how your life is like? Because look, at, <laughs> Alhamdulillah, we have so many blessings that we just don't acknowledge, right? Yeah. Like, But they're all small, small things that from Allah SWT that have made us like, 
into who we are, our friends, our, you know, like just he is looking out for you when even if you're not thinking of him. That's why I chose Alati because he is he look he's always he's like look at her struggling look at her not acknowledging me but i am still there for her you know like just ah you're amazing allah <laughs> is so subtly kind and he does it so subtly that you almost didn't know you didn't even notice you don't even, you didn't even notice him. how kind and generous mm-hmm. he is and i think that's a beautiful beautiful uh, name to attribute to your story because i i can see how allah was so subtly kind to you throughout your entire experience you know there was a like, major thing that happened like i said you know the other day where i was like my story is not that amazing it's a very basic thing <laughs> it, is, it is beyond amazing and any story that allah is involved it's it's a top shot story because allah yeah. is involved and allah. so on that we conclude jazakallah khair barakallah feek to you my beloved sister in islam for sharing your incredible story and for glorifying allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for making for making sure that you didn't exchange You know this religion and Allah sought out for a small price but instead no. you faced your fears and Allah has raised your ranks and he's illuminated your path and he's seems to me he's given you his Quran for you to learn and I'm excited to see what you'll do with that after you graduate inshallah may Allah make you successful jazakallah khair for coming and sharing your story may Allah accept this from you <laughs> and anybody that's listening I pray that like You really, you know, t- take note of this, right? There are so many rejections you're going to get. But do not exchange Allah's deen for something so small. I think the most the thing that I learned the most about this story was that is that like too many of us exchange Allah for something. We do it all the time. We might do it every day. Subhanallah. And I was listening to a live actually. um before this interview that I was like oh my god is as if they knew that we were going to have this conversation and it was like the village auntie was talking about how um you know muslim women are finding themselves in this really tough spot where they're compromising their hijab um in the name of native like fashion hijabi fashion and um influencing and she kept saying like don't do these things you know Allah can offer you more and then having this you know listening to read a story and her saying you know don't exchange something like don't exchange Allah for something little it's like it's like auntie was saying the thing after it because he can offer you more right Allah can offer us more and i think that's just the i think that's the, that's 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 the reflection is to believe that Allah can offer us more that if, if we're faced with something today we're like oh my god If I don't do this like this, if I don't push my hijab back a little or I'm not going to get this this campaign, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, I'm not going to get what I need to get. You know, this this is like this is about survival. Um but you have to remember like who's the person who's giving that to you? Who's giving that rizq to you? Who's providing for you? Allah's providing for you. It's not these people. It's not this employer. It's not your manager. It's not your professor. It's Allah that's in control. And so it's such a reminder to me like no matter how backed up i might feel you know i might be pinned to a wall i just have to remember allah can always offer me more and do not exchange allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with something so little because you can't you can't don't ever exchange it with anything always 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 choose him this episode is brought to you by beautiful light studios recorded at mh studios toronto i'd love to give a shout out to our executive producer munshiq umar thank you for the episode 
Um, our recording engineer, Jonathan Lilo. Yes, he has a last name. And our podcast intern, Nima Harun. I also love to give a shout out to our graphic designer, Sima, aka Wasima Fada. And our lovely project manager, Yasmin Mahmoud. And our marketing extraordinaire, Salsan Abdullahi. Thank you for all that you do. If this podcast gave you value, we're leaving it up to you. Donate however much you feel like it gave to you. We have a big team who put so many hours into bringing this show to life. If you can't give right now, please keep us in your dives. This week, also, we're helping a team member um, raise some funds for a family member that passed away. Please donate to the link in the show notes and on Instagram. Also, TDS family members, don't embarrass me. <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, let's finish this fundraiser, okay? Uh, let's try to like get her to her target, inshallah. And again, like I said, it will be in the show notes and on Instagram, inshallah. All right, guys, I'll see you guys next week in your ear, in your speakers. What? Yep, telling you a good story. <laughs>